We're wrapping up a series that we started uh, about four weeks ago called In the Big Leagues. And in this series, we've kind of considered the fact that there are probably millions of people in our country who play baseball on any given year. But only a very elite few of all of the people who can play baseball ever make it to the big leagues. And everybody who played baseball, probably if, especially if you're a young boy and you played baseball in Little League, you kind of dreamed of the day that you would be a big ligger. I used to stand outside when nobody was looking and grab a stick and there'd be little rocks down there and, and I would bat home runs and I would cheer for myself and I would run around the bases because that's, you know, that was my dream as a little boy that one day I could be a big ligger. I came to the realization that I just don't possess enough of the talent, possess enough athleticism that I, to ever be good enough to, to have people pay me to play baseball. I probably could have been okay. I was fast. I had some things going for me, but I probably never would have had the, all of the skill set that it takes to be an elite baseball player. Very few among the millions who can play ball will end up playing there, and they make it there because they have the same skills that you and I have. I can still throw a ball. I can still catch a ball most time. Uh, I can do all of that, but I don't have the skill level. I don't have it in the amount that the people who play big league ball do. And then we talked a little bit about out of all those baseball players who are in the big leagues, there are a few, very few, who separate themselves from the others and they make it to the Hall of Fame. And one Hall of Famer is Cal Ripken Jr. I talked to you a little bit about him last week, but he's a 19-time All-Star and a two-time American League Most Valuable Player. Ripken is perhaps best known, though, for breaking Lou Gehrig's record for consecutive games played, a record that stood for 56 years and many people had deemed unbreakable. But Ripken surpassed that mark on September the 6th, 1995, by playing in his 2,131st consecutive game. Which the fans later, many fans, not just Orioles fans, voted the most memorable moment in Major League Baseball history. I don't know if it is or not, but it speaks a little bit to what we're going to look at today. We've been looking at a passage in Galatians, and I'm looking at the uh, Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Some of you have memorized this because it's important verses for people who love the Lord. Here's what it says. But the fruit of the Spirit, capital S, meaning the Holy Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I spent a little bit of time asking you to think about Christians, believers, people that you have met that just left no doubt in your mind that they were dedicated Jesus Christ followers. Those people who stand out for some of these very qualities that we've been looking at in this series. And the first week, I talked to you about some of people that make my Hall of Fame. Believers that I just have encountered in my life that have these, these, these qualities in such abundance. I talked to you in the first week about the quality of love. And I talked to you about the fact that baseball players who don't love the game don't do very well. 
You have to love the game to play that many games in a season. Well, let me tell you something. There are some who just, some Christians who exhibit such a love for God that it's compelling. Such a love for people that it's compelling. And we looked at the power of that. The second week we talked about the power of joy. And you'll remember in that week we talked about how Paul and Silas was used of God in a mighty way. They were put in a terrible circumstance, but their joy was powerful and people came to know Christ because of their heart for God. I haven't picked every one of these. It would take a long time to preach through all of these. And I'm not going to uh, preach through. I don't feel led to do to every quality. We skipped on over to patience last week. And we talked a little bit about how that's so important in our lives. Especially when it comes to learning how to wait for God's timing in our life. We, we rush, we push, we struggle to do things our own way, and we get ourselves in trouble when we don't have patience. And we talked about those who seem to have the ability to know God's timing in their lives and to wait on God and how God always is on time. And this week, I want to focus on faithfulness. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And this is spoken to me. I want to talk to you about why it matters If you will, just for a moment, imagine yourself in a lot of trouble. No, I'm not talking about the kind of trouble you get in when you break your parents' curfew and don't make it home on time. That's trouble, but I'm talking about a deeper, bigger trouble than that. It's the kind of trouble that puts you at a low point in your life. You're feeling overwhelmed and you're crushed beneath the weight of this kind of trouble. It's life-altering trouble. It's when things are horrible for you. You, It's the kind of thing that could change everything. You feel dread and you feel fear welling up within you. It's that kind of trouble. And you know that you need help. I ask you to, to think about who is it that you would call on if you were in that kind of trouble. One of the numerous qualities of God are or aspects of who God is that I find such great comfort in is his faithfulness. You see, when I'm in deep trouble, I know, and I'm so grateful to know this, I know that God is always who he has said he would be. And I know he's always there. I never have to worry about whenever in my life, whatever the circumstances, God's faithfulness is absolute. I never have to worry about calling out to God and God not being present for me. Hurts you. Hurts us when somebody's not there for us in a time of need, doesn't it? But in those times of need, we serve a God who is absolutely faithful. And I'm so grateful that that is who God is. It is, his, it is, it is the essence. He is, he is called faithful and true. And we'll get to that in a, in a little while. But God is that. He is there. He has promised to be uh, present for us. And he always is. He has promised to be who he is. And that will never change. When I'm in trouble, I call on a God who is always merciful. Always merciful. God is good all the time. And I need to say this to you. I know that there will be lies that that people will will believe and hold up and will kind of argue with this beautiful book, the word of God. And some people will say God is not a good God. And here is my proof. God isn't good because he let this happen in my life. 
And people who go there struggle because they can't wrap their minds around how God could allow evil to happen in the world or how God could allow something bad to happen to them. But I need to just tell you, because this book says so, God is always good all the time. We don't maybe understand God. We may have trouble defining good as God defines good. But God is always holy. God is always good. And he is faithful to be who he is every single day. That's who he is. He, the Bible tells us, from, uh, tells us that he is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And I love that about it. He is faithful to who he is. When I'm in trouble, I call on a God who is faithful. He is the same as he always has been. When we need to rely on a person in our lives, don't we always try to find somebody with that quality of faithfulness? Don't you, if you need to really rely on somebody, want to find somebody who's really you can depend on? You know if their word is given that they're going to give it. If all of a sudden one morning I wake up and I go downstairs in the house that I'm in and I see that the hot water heater is has sprung a leak and there's water all over the floor and it's still coming out pretty fast. I want to be able to call on somebody I can depend on. I want to call somebody that once I call them, they said, I'm on my way, that they really are going to be there. Amen. That's what we want. Faithfulness matters when we're relying on somebody. It's a big quality. And we want to have somebody who is who is going to follow through. Aren't there some people who are just dependable and you can rely on them? One of the most inspirational things to me about people that that are in my and it's not written down anywhere. It's just in my head, in my heart. It's my life experience. But people who I've watched uh, in my experience of walking through my life, I, I've met people who I could depend on them being righteous before God. They just love the Lord. And I see that quality of faithfulness before God every single day. And it inspires me. It does something for me. It is a powerful uh, quality and it really does matter. Cal Ripken just showed up game after game and did his job. He just showed up. And he did what he was supposed to do. For years, he was the backbone of the Orioles. And the, the thing that we admire about him is that he just came in and did what he was supposed to do game after game after game. We admire the fact that his team was able to to depend upon him showing up and performing at the level that he performed on every game. He gave everything he had every time he played. His managers depended on him. His teammates depended on him. And his fans depended on him. And his faithfulness became a big deal. I want you to look with me very quickly. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16. I want to remind you that Jesus Christ is saying this. He's preaching a, a, a foundational, seminal uh, sermon. What we known, have known as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is, is blowing the minds of his listeners. Someday I'll preach from the Sermon on the Mount. But trust me that Jesus was saying things to his listeners that they never expected to hear. And they were, he was laying down kingdom principles that they never had grasped up to this point. And this is what he says to us. It applies to you and me. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Let me talk to those of you who have made the, the life choice and the life decision to embrace this book as the word of God. 
And because you have done that, you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ to make you holy because of the words that are here in this book. Because you know that it is God's will in your life. And you have committed to live a life for his purposes and for his glory. In other words, you have wholly bought into the lifestyle and culture of being a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It's everything to you. I want to speak to you. I hope you know where you are on this, by the way. I hope you know where you line up on this, whether or not you are a follower. I'm, I'm going to interrupt myself only to say this. There's only two things that a human being can be in the sight of God. Lost or one of his. And you're either a follower or you're not. It's no in-between. There's no middle ground. And there really is nothing, no such place called purgatory. There really isn't. You're either with him or you're not. So I hope you know where you are on this. Christ followers, listen, are always on display in this world. Real Christians are on display all the time. People will constantly watch us. In fact, if you even confess or profess to be a Christian, believe me, everybody has their eye on you. And they're not necessarily listening to all of your words, not necessarily caring a whole lot about the message that you're speaking, but they are watching. And so what Jesus is saying here in this particular circumstance, in this context, it isn't just our words that turn people into God praisers. It's not about our words. It's about our deeds. It's about the things that we do. Are we faithful to be what God would have us to be? In every life circumstance. That's what turns people into God praisers. It brings glory to God when we are faithful. If we faithfully do good deeds because we are following Jesus, people notice that and some of them will become praisers of the God that we love because of our deeds. And I will tell you, I've, I've seen it over the years over and over again. And I've heard it over the years over and over again. In fact, I shared with you anecdotally how one of the people that is in my Hall of Fame was just, just so loving. And, all, and she just had so much joy in her. And she would do some good deeds. And we ended up having people. She would invite people to church when she'd take the pie to them. And we'd have people show up in church. And I, I still remember many of them saying, I don't know what she has, but I want that. That's what I'm missing in my life. It's something about her that just stood out. Her love for God, her love for people. It was her good deeds that caused people to become, they, they would turn their hearts over to Christ. They say, I want to be like that lady. I want to live like that lady. I want to experience the joy that she is experiencing. It is the good deeds sometimes that people will recognize. Faithfulness matters because it causes people to recognize and praise our God. Isn't that what we want, church? Isn't that what we desire? God is worthy of all the praise that we can heap on him. And I certainly want people to do that. And I want to be a, a part of that. I want to be part of the reason why somebody would look and say, now that's worth doing. I certainly don't want to be the opposite. Faithfulness matters because it leads God to praise us. Let me read something else that Jesus was teaching on. And, and this is a quote from him. And I'm interrupting a lesson that he said. But this is, this is the gist of it. Matthew 25, verse 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. 
I, I don't know um, what drives you. I don't know what your motives are. I have said this and I'll say it probably until the day that I can't talk anymore. But if somebody were to look at me and point at me and say, can do so. What is the most important thing to you or what is the thing that you're driven by? Here it is. This is what I live for. I don't aspire for mansions and glory. Although if God wants to bless me with them, I'll be grateful. But that's not what I'm reaching for. I'm reaching for the words from his mouth. Well done. That's what matters to me more than anything else in life. That's what I want to hear. I want the father to look at me and say, Ken, well done. You see, I want that praise because it means everything to me for the father to be pleased with my life. Faithfulness is about living away and living in such a way. And, and in this verse, it says you've been faithful and a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. I want to live that kind of life. That's my aspiration. That's my prayer. That's my heart. I want to be found faithful in the Lord. So let me talk to you about what this faithfulness is. I want to share with you something that I just love. This passage of scripture um, inspires me so deeply because it is a look at Jesus Christ in his glorified form. Not as he walked on the earth uh, as a man, but this is Jesus, the glorified Savior. Looking at Revelation, the book of Revelation, and we'll go to 19th chapter of the book of Revelation. We'll begin reading in verse 11. I love this. I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The enemies of heaven are, were following him, riding on war, uh, white horses, dressed in fine linen. And that should have been the armies of heaven were following him. Dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has this name written, King of Kings. And Lord of Lords, I would suggest to you today that there is no greater example of faithfulness than Jesus Christ. He is our example and he is the standard by which we should measure ourselves of whether or not we are faithful to God. Second Timothy 2.13 just tells us if we are faithless, he's going to remain faithful. That's just who he is. Why? Because it's his character to be faithful. One of the most compelling truths that I ever learned or principles that I ever learned in Bible college many years ago was this principle. It's it's at least back then it was called the centrality of Christ and put in simple terms. The idea is this, that Jesus is the absolute center of everything that uh, has to do with humanity in our history. Jesus is the center of the scriptures. You find him throughout the pages of this book and he is the center of our lives it is it is history is his story and it is about jesus christ i think about him and i think about the fact that one day he comes to this earth and he does what he does and i'm just compelled by that 
Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 through 17 even tells us that he was there at the, at the beginning, at, at creation. It, it tells us in, in those verses that he's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Do you see it? Jesus is in the center of it all. It's about him. And folks, we cannot find a greater example of faithfulness. Throughout history, Jesus has interacted with human beings until today he became one. He lived among us for a little more than 30 years. And in spite of the fact that the world was filthy, the world was full of evil, in spite of the fact that the people in this world was were unholy and ungodly. He faithfully served his father in heaven and he never one time sinned. Not once. He never once had a bad evil thought. He never once sinned in any way. He never disobeyed his father. And he lived a life as a human being while he did it. He endured a terrible time of suffering on the cross in order to make it possible for unholy people to be made holy. And I need you to understand something about the cross. We sang about it today. And it's one of my favorite songs that we do is that the the love of God and the power of the cross. But Jesus had an option, my friends. He could have called 10,000 angels. The scriptures tell us that. He could have called on a legion of angels and they would have rescued him. He wouldn't have had to hang on that cross for you and I. But he faithfully did. Why? Because of his love for his father and because he loves you and I. It's the power of him. That's the, the standard by which I need to measure my faithfulness, whether or not I am faithful. But not once in all history has Jesus ever failed to do what he was supposed to do. Not once in all history has Jesus ever failed to be what he should be. He has never failed to keep a promise. Not once. Every promise he made, he he keeps. Every promise the Lord God makes, he keeps. And we're told in Philippians 2, your attitude should be the same as that of Jesus Christ. Being in very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to even be grasped. But he made himself nothing. Took on the very form of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I just say this. I'm going to move on from it. Please don't make the mistake of saying, yeah, well, he was Jesus. Let me tell you something. The cross was horrible. It was painful for him, as painful for him as it would be for you. Jesus suffered through a lot of pain. And he was obedient in it all. But what about this quality in us? What does faithfulness look like in people? I mean, we're not Jesus. And we can't be Jesus. We can represent him, but we're not Jesus. So what does it look like us today? In in the time that we have today, I just want to narrow it down to just a very few examples. With Jesus as our standard, I want to suggest to you that faithful looks like being faithful looks like this. And the first words I'm going to use is we show up. We're just where we need to be when we are supposed to be there. We show up. Faithfulness is so important in that regard. I said earlier that one of the things we love about Jesus is he's always with us. He's always there. He shows up. 
He doesn't bail on us when we are in trouble. He doesn't walk away when we become a mess and we make a mess of things. Jesus is faithful to be with us. I love a song that we sometimes sing around here that uh, was uh, written by Matt Redman. It, the chorus of it says, oh, no, you never let go through this calm and through the storm. Oh, no, you never let go in every high, in every low. Oh, no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. I love that song. It reminds me day that day after day, Jesus is where he should be. What a comfort there is in that. But how about us? Do we show up? Do we show up? Are we present? Are we faithful? Are people able to count on us? Is God able to count on us? Are we where we should be when we are needed? And this is something that God has challenged me with sometimes. I get in such a big old rush. I just need to get from point A to point B and I get tunnel vision. People tell me all the time, I passed you on the road, Pastor Ken. I waved at you and you stuck your snobby little nose in the air and you just kept driving. I'm like tunnel vision when it comes to that. I don't know what it is. My goal is to get from point A to point B. And, and sometimes I can get that in, in my driving. But do you know that we can do this in our life? We can just block things out. And we all we know is what we want to do. What we have planned. Can God interrupt your day? Can He get you to show up where you are needed? And will you just show up for Him if that's what He wants? That's faithfulness when people can count on you to be there. When people know that if they call on you, you will be there. Can our families count on us to show up? Will we be present for them? Are we present for our spouses? Are we present for our our children? Are we present for other people in our family? Can God depend on us? And can our friends count on us? I'm not talking about a friendship That if somebody really messes up, we say, I want nothing to do with that hot mess. And we walk away from them. I'm talking about the ones who go into that person's life when they have blown it completely. And they make a difference because they're faithful as a friend. Faithfulness means being there. Faithfulness means showing up. I won't belabor this point. But a whole lot of people walk around in our nation and they're damaged and they're damaged because their parents didn't show up or they're damaged because somebody else they depended on didn't show up. Christians, because we are watched, we should be the most faithful people on this planet. Amen. That should be our quality. We should be known as a people who are faithful to what we believe in. We say this stuff. Do we do this stuff? Are we faithful? We need to show up. And in fact, I would say to you, given the direction of our nation and the moral climate of our nation, I think the church needs to show up. I think we need to be counted again. I think we need to to walk into the, 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 the mess that is our nation and pray and love, do things in a loving way. I'm not talking about becoming activists that stir up trouble. I'm talking about being a praying, loving people who show up in people's lives, who are being strewn aside and who are broken. We need to show up for them. I pray that our church is that way in this town, that we become, that we gain a reputation for being there when people are broken and hurting, that we can be counted on to love people, that we can be counted on to help people. We need to show up if we belong to the Lord. That's called being faithful. 
That's called letting our good deeds being seen so that people will become God praisers. Can our bosses count on us? Oh dear, I just went from preaching to meddling there, didn't I? I just think it's sad if a Christian has a testimony or a reputation, I should say, at their work for being the kind that will extend their breaks and steal. That's not right. It's sinful. We should be the most faithful employees. If we're Christians, we should faithfully do our jobs. If we're going to represent Jesus in the world, if we're going to act like the Bible tells us that, it should matter on our job. Amen? Some of you are getting quiet and some of you are getting mad, but I'm preaching the truth here today. We need to show up. We need to be counted on. Can our church count on us? Can we can those of us who are members here and, and we have made certain commitments? Are we going to do what we say we're going to do? Are we going to be the church? Are we going to be involved in these things that matter? Loving God back and, and growing in the Lord Goodness. And doing the things that God has called us to do, serving one another and reaching into this community. God help us to be counted on because we're watched. We have to be that kind of people. We just need to be there and we need to be doing what we're supposed to be doing faithfully. Amen. Not just present, but doing what we're supposed to do quickly. Let me say we should show up for our time alone with God. You can call it devotions. You can call it time alone with God. But every day in our lives, I believe every day I need to do this. I'll just tell you, I need to get before God. And I need to crack this book open. And I need to meet with the Lord. And since we just read that the name of Jesus is the word of God, when I, when I spend time alone with my Bible open, here's what's happening. I'm not meeting a habit. I'm meeting Jesus. He's in these pages. And I promise you he shows up. And I promise you he's faithful to be there when he's supposed to be. And that's my responsibility to meet him faithfully. And I don't know how you survive as a Christian in this world without time alone with God. I'm just asking you to consider this, people. Is there a faithfulness to your time alone with God? I'm not going to embarrass her. I'm just simply going to say I can set a watch by my wife's faithfulness to her time with God, to her prayer time and things. She's very faithful about that. And I want to want to be able to be that kind of person too because it matters. And can God count on you to be faithful in prayer? Because prayer matters. If you're a believer, prayer is something God has commanded and called you to. And can God count on you to pray for people? Can God give you a responsibility to call on him and to pray? Because there's power in prayer. It's a spiritual force. And it moves in the, into the enemy's territory. And, it, and it, it creates confusion for the devil and his forces. We need to be people of prayer. And we need to be faithful to do that. Can God count on us to do that? When we see a need, can God count on us to show up in someone's life and help them? Not say, and, and I have to say this again, I, I don't mean this mean, but one of the most frequently told lies in church, in the, in the, and there's a lot of lies told in the church, but here's one of them, I'll pray for you. And half the time, not half, but I, I can't put a quality, uh, quantity of time on it, but a lot of times people say, I'll pray for you, and they don't pray. They just say it to get rid of the person or something. And I just have to say, that's not faithfulness. It would be better if you just said, I'm sorry, and walked away and said, I'll pray for you. <laughs> I know it sounds spiritual, right? When we, I'll pray for you. Well, then we better do it. 
It's what God has laid on our hearts to do. We've got to be faithful in these kind of things. And oh, that God would help us. Uh, sometimes I have to preach things that aren't fun to hear. But it's the truth today, folks. Faithfulness is a big deal in our lives. And so if somebody is in trouble, can God interrupt your plans? Here's that tunnel vision thing with me where sometimes I'm so engrossed in what I'm doing, I don't even see the need sometimes. And I want to be that kind of person that when God calls on me, I'm there and I'm faithful to meet the need in somebody's life. Jesus always keeps his promises, do we? In a world where promises and commitments are broken all the time, And where excuses are given and blame is placed because this is why I didn't keep my promise. Are we faithful to our own word? It's a challenge for us, folks. But it is something that matters to God and it should matter to us. What I'm saying is in people, faithfulness is doing what we said we would do. It's keeping our word when it's difficult to keep our word. Amen? That's what God has called us to. The driving force behind Cal Ripken's record was his sense in his heart of commitment to his contract. He said this, contract. You know, he recognized that he was paid a lot of money to play the game. And he didn't get why some players would just say, I don't feel like playing today. So I'm just taking the day off. I'll be better tomorrow. Cal figured, look, you're paying me a salary. I'm showing up and I'm going to do my job. And so he faithfully did that. He, he also felt a, a strong sense of commitment to his teammates. He felt like he would let his teammates down if he didn't play. He was one of the best players that the Orioles have ever had. So he felt like he needed to play. And he played a position that breaks bodies down. He played through injuries. He played through sickness. He was just there. And the people who inspire me and who are in my spiritual hall of fame are the ones who are just faithful to God no matter what's going on in their lives. Do you hear me? Sometimes, man, I've seen people who just like, they just quit out. They just, they said, it's, it's getting too hot. It's getting too hard. I'm, I'm stepping back. I'm getting away. So sometimes they'll stop coming to church. Sometimes they'll stop giving if, if the financially they're being hit hard and they're just not faithful to the things of God. And I'm saying to you, the ones that really make an impact for the glory of God are those who, who press on in the midst of hardship. Amen. They're the ones that make it count to me. Not the fair weather ones, but the ones who you know they love the Lord. Come hell or high water, they love the Lord. And that's what I want to see in me. That's what I want to see in in you. That's my heart. Let me talk to you very quickly about uh, how we develop our faithfulness. I want to look at one more scripture with you. I'm almost done. John 15. I love this. Jesus is speaking again. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. And such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. I need to say something to you. Some of these words would be difficult for me to believe if it wasn't Jesus saying them. Jesus said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you ask whatever you will and it will be done. It will be given to you. You ask for what you want. Here's the deal. 
if we remain in the Lord, we're going to ask for the right things, aren't we? We're going to have the right motives. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. Once more, I want to make the point that those baseball players who made it into the bigs made it there because they have a greater capacity to play the game than most of us do. All baseball players can hit, run, catch, and all of that. They just have this greater capacity. The kind of faithfulness that honors God originates with Jesus. Do you want to develop faithfulness in your heart? Here's how you do it. The best way that I can understand Scripture. Every day, remain in Him. Every day, seek the heart of Jesus Christ. He's divine. Be the branch. Rely on His strength. Rely on His power. When you are tempted, run to Him. When you're struggling and life is hard, run to Him. When you need something, ask Him first. So often we try to figure out our own way, right? Don't we? But when we have a need, if, if, if he is the central part of your life, the centrality of Christ in your life, if every time there's something that you need, you go to him first and let him guide you. I'm telling you, God will develop faithfulness in you. God will help you. And that's what we need to do. Every time we are facing doubts, every time we are facing anything, run to him and seek his face and watch what he does. Almost, I would imagine, I, I'm, I can't answer this for sure, but I have a sense that pretty much everyone in this room, at some point in your life, you have, you have sensed the presence of God. God has moved your heart. He has stirred you in a service or somewhere, and, and it left no doubt at that moment. He is who he says he is. And I'm saying to you, seek him, and he will make you faithful. Jesus is called faithful and true so seek him and he'll give you faithfulness what area in your life needs shoring up my friend where do you need jesus to help you be more faithful what actions could you possibly take to institute new levels of faithfulness to the lord if you have a prayer request that relates to faithfulness to your life i'm going to ask you if you'd be willing to kind of let me help you pray about that I'm going to ask you to avail yourself of one of those connection cards that are in front of you at the, in the seat. And I'm going to ask you to just, there's a place for you to write prayer requests. And I'm going to suggest to you that you write, just, we're going to take just a few moments here before we leave. We're going to be quiet before the Lord for just a few moments. I'm going to allow you to share a request. Now, let me say something to you. If there's something very confidential that you need to share, if you check confidential, I'll be the one that reads it, nobody else. It will come to me. When you finish filling it out, as you go out, there is a little box that's sitting on the table, a little black box, and it has a slot in it. It says connection cards. It's very private. You put it in there. I'll retrieve them. And then I will pray this week. Okay? I will commit to you, God helping me, every day this week, I will pray for your request. I will lift you up to the Lord Jesus. Is there an area in your life that you need to shore up? Is there a way that you are not being faithful and you recognize it and you want me to help you pray? This is not for me to, to learn about you so I can gossip about you or anything. This is for me to be your, your pastor and pray for you. But if you need prayer and you would like me to lift you up, then write down something on that card. I will do my best to pray for you. Has God put his finger on anything in your life?
Let's just take a moment here to be quiet before God. And we'll dismiss in just a moment. Father, the Bible tells us that you look down upon the earth and you see, see our hearts and you know us perfectly. So there is absolutely nothing hidden from you as I stand here before you. You know my heart. You know my thoughts. You know my deeds. I can't hide one thing from you. I pray, Lord, that you will help us in our struggles, Father. And, Lord, help us to run to you and seek you. And, Lord, this matters. This quality is so important. To be found faithful in you is everything. So I pray, Lord, that you'll minister to us. And if there is anybody who is writing, Lord, I pray that you'll just give them wisdom what to write. And that you'll keep me faithful to pray for them this week. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us.